This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. If only you believe in miracles, we'll get by. R.I.P. to the great Marty Ballin of Jefferson Airplane. It's Shake Them Ropes 288. Do you come from a land down under where women glow and men plunder? That's right. WWE's going to Australia. Super Show Dash Down. We'll preview it. The May Young Classic gets interesting. And just all the general buildup to the Super Show Dash Down because it was kind of a down week for the other two shows this week. Joining me as always is Chris Novembrino. Chris, it's National Taco Day for the banter section. How do you like your tacos? I like a fajita taco, and I like it with oh. onions and peppers and that sort of thing. A little jalapeno in there, maybe a little salsa. I like fajitas, um, but if I want a taco taco, I'm going with the classic hard shell usually. Um, but now I, I have to have sour cream, so I have to get the deluxe tacos whenever I get them. I like the mix of the heat and the cold. Okay, okay. Um, it, it, it's one of those things. I've also... As I've gotten older, my taste buds have kind of changed. I've really gotten to the the fried shrimp soft taco. I think those are with like the kind of the sour cream sauce with some cabbage on it. That's uh... so. Where is the Jeff Hawkins point of delineation between hard shell and soft shell? Because you now say that you generally like hard shells, but there's this shrimp. Soft shell exception, and I managed to get that off of my tongue without twisting it. <laughs> um, I like all tacos. I mean, I like the street meat. I like the corn tortillas when they're cooked properly uh, with some, you know, some asada, you know. So when is it soft shell time? Soft shell time is generally when I'm in the mood for flour tortillas. Um, right. I'll sometimes but think, is there a meat pairing? Uh, I'm always a beef guy. I'm not a chicken guy. Uh, it, it's the, when the shrimp is on sale, when Del Taco, a chain out here, has their shrimp tacos, I'll buy them. But other than that, I'm I'm mostly a classic uh, hard, hard shell guy for the most part. Unless unless I'm very just starving and it's like, oh, there, there, I mean, there are a few taco. I mean, you get a million taco trucks out here in Los Angeles. Like, See, the hard shell taco for me is an act of trust. Okay. Because... If the hard shell is not constructed in the right way, then you're going to have a ruined meal. Yeah. And, and you, I, I should be able to trust that this taco will hold structural integrity when I remove it from the wrap. I, I know that there are some people saying eat it in the wrap, but like I shouldn't have to live like that. And when I have a soft shell taco, I don't have to establish this trust relationship with this taco stand. No, I. So I usually go towards the soft shell, but I'm with you on the chicken thing. I am pretty dubious on chicken unless I'm cooking it myself or I know where this chicken comes from because I know enough about how chicken is made that sourcing is important, at least to me. For me, the hard shell taco is when I'm only wanting a snack. I think I, because if I'm very hungry, I'm either going to get a burrito or I'm going to get nachos, you know, with like meat and guac and all the sour cream and all that stuff on there. But if I'm just mildly hungry, that's the hard shell time. And I'll tell you something. I am angry that I did not invent those Ortega, 
You know the kind of the uh, the U-shaped tacos that now sit flat on the plate? I'm angry I did not invent that because those are genius. Because when I was a kid and you'd want tacos, you know, you'd have to try and stand up, up and then you'd get the meat in there and then you'd have to get like a toppings, but you'd have to set the taco down and it would all just kind of spill out. And I was just like, this is ridiculous. This is a structural problem. Where are the architects working on this? And then now as a grown man, I can buy taco shells that stand up by themselves. You know, they have <laughs> another solution for that, Jeff. Tostadas? No, it's called the soft shell taco. Well, I like. Look, I, there's nothing wrong with a good soft shell taco. I'm, I'm just saying. Sometimes I'm just saying you don't have to live your life in misery. That's what I'm trying to tell you. You're in Texas. You're in the home of the breakfast taco, which is a wonderful concoction on its own. So, I mean, I guess you can scold me on taco fare and being, you know, too gringo in terms of gringo tacos, but. Whatever we got, we got wrestling to talk about. Uh, oh, you want to talk wrestling? We can talk wrestling. We can talk tacos for two hours. Maybe people will still listen to the show. I feel a little bit guilty that I didn't mention Jefferson Airplane at all on Lucha: The Hidden Temple, even though there's the White Rabbit Tribe, and that's a key storyline this season. Uh, didn't connect that at all. All right. Well, I mean, I you know what? I'm I'm a Marty Ballin guy in terms of. Uh, Jefferson Airplane songs like I love his lead on uh, volunteers but I, I'm a I'm a big fan of uh, With Your Love that song is great to me it's it, it's in that same I think it's actually the same album as Miracles which is the one I quoted but uh, White Rabbit is <laughs> I have a friend who goes no nah, that that Jefferson Airplane's trash I'm like okay <laughs> never seen anybody get angry over White Rabbit but cool <laughs> That one's long, but it's not trash. I think he just doesn't like Grace Slick. Well, I mean, <laughs> to each their own, I suppose. Okay, so I'm, uh, I'm, I'm tempted. I don't know where to exactly to start on on Raw, SmackDown, Super Showdown type thing, but I am going to call my shot right now in terms of the main event, so to speak. Okay. HBK is now bald. Triple H has shaved his head. We're getting some kind of twin magic. The Baldies reunion. We're getting a mistaken identity twin magic type of finish. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. And we're going to build to a tag match at some point with HBK and Triple H versus the Brothers of Destruction. That's an interesting call. No, well, I mean, you know, the the, the, the Saudi Arabia people are throwback fans. They want, you know, people from the Attitude Era, for the most part, are just classic characters. So it's understandable why they're leading up to that. Uh, Now that we know where it's leading up to, is this the quote-unquote last time for Undertaker, Triple H, one-on-one? No, this this is going to happen again. Or is the last match... Is the last match WrestleMania, which is what I'm I'm thinking, kind of. Yes, I think they'll have one more WrestleMania match either this year or next year. Oh, the thing that grinded my gears this week. Uh, well, there's a few things, but uh, the Shield storyline that got hot shotted through I don't know eight weeks. I felt like I missed a week watching that promo with Dean Ambrose in the ring on Monday. Here, okay, because this is where I'm going anyway. So this is perfect, perfect segue. Last week, I said they do two types of turns. They do the one where they just beat it into you that he's eventually going to turn, and then he does. Or they keep beating it into you that he's going to turn, and then for some reason, somebody else turns so that you're swerved and you're surprised and it comes out of nowhere and it makes no sense. 
I was I was perfectly fine last week with them saying they're on the same page. And then this week it's again, oh, he might turn. And they're not going to turn him at this thing, but I, I'm getting the feeling that it's going to end up being, you know, some miscommunication causes the Shield to lose. Here was my problem. I could not stand that Roman Reigns run-in during the Dean Ambrose-Braun Strowman match. Because, yes. Because, look, they they tried to describe it as Roman was trying to save the match for Super Showdown. Or Super Show Dash Down, I apologize. Super Show Dash yes. Down. Yes, you have to make sure to get the title right. We discussed this before we got on the air. We will only refer to it as Super Show Dash Down. Yes, but but it didn't make logical sense. If Dean Ambrose, number one, heroes are supposed to stand on their own. They're not supposed to get saved unless they are in actual physical danger. Not to save the big match. It's such a corporate idea to oh we need to save the big show for later i need to go in and interfere and make my friend lose his match but number two well it was kind of patronizing and the match that braun and dean were working was not a thorough getting your ass kicked match in a way that was different from a standard Braun Strowman versus a smaller guy type of match. Well, it amass- Dean was underdogging it for sure, yeah. and he wasn't getting much offense, but it wasn't like Braun was hurling him into the barricades on the outside or threw stuff on the outside and really ragdolling him around, which is, I think, where you needed to take this in order to justify Roman coming out and saying, no, 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 no more. We have a match on Sunday. No more. This this is completely out of hand. Yeah, you need to have the towel being thrown in, so to speak. It has yes. to be that kind of a beatdown. It emasculates Dean. But here's the other thing. It doesn't make sense for, for Roman to come down there unless there's some kind of stipulation that, look, it's going to be the Dogs of War and the Shield. Now, it, do- it doesn't matter who among you gets there. That's the match. So if Dean gets hurt, or if Dean gets knocked out by chance, it's going to be a two-on-three handicap match. That's how you establish that logical inconsistency there, as opposed to just saying he's saving him for the main event in Australia because people will be disappointed and whatnot. You have to put some actual stakes in there, whereas if Dean does not make it to Australia, as if they can't... If re- he loses, he can't be in the match. Well, Something like well, that, even, maybe? Not even if he loses, but if he physically can't perform, it's going to be three-on-two, as opposed to, we're just going to turn it into a straight two-on-two tag match in Australia, which a normal business would do. Like, say, if Liv Morgan couldn't have traveled, they would have turned that into one of the Bellas and Ronda versus the other two in the Riot Squad. Well, there's a way to do what I just described and protect Braun. You just have him get counted out. So you have Roman come down and distract Braun, and that gets Braun counted out, and Dean is in the ring and wins by count out. Yeah, I mean, I, I just I am now thoroughly on board with they're just going to beat this. Dean is, you know, Dean is having trust issues for the next few weeks until he finally turns and you're just like, well, that's not much of a surprise. Or they're just going to end up turning like Seth Rollins somewhere in there. <laughs> or maybe even Roman still, he's still getting booed. And and let's rewind a little bit with the Corbin setup. The Corbin setup is actually a perfectly fine and interesting angle that they blew through in about two and a half minutes. What should have happened is Corbin comes out, 
and throws down that gauntlet before Dean. And the arc of this episode is Dean has to make a decision who he's going to face in the main event tonight. Is he going to go for the title? Is he going to go for the Intercontinental title? Or is he going to face Braun Strowman? And doing it right at the beginning, it, I just think was very, very weak storytelling. Yeah, I, I'm, a, <laughs> I am done with the, with the, uh, <laughs> with the Baron Corbin. Whoa, whoa, whoa! We're not gonna do this right here. Interruption. <laughs> Where he just, it's like he has no control of this show. Anyways, why not just let it all happen? Uh. My issue with the uh, with the heel team, though, um, it, it actually feeds into my one point from two hundred five live. I am I am done with the weak link turn. I Braun saying that Dolph Ziggler having a competitive match with a former world champion, a, a you know, <laughs> or actually current Universal champion. He was he was against Roman, right? Yeah, yeah. I keep forget. I kept thinking it was with Seth, but he had the Iron Man with Seth. He had, you know, he had the competitive Never match with Roman. Never mind the fact Roman. that Braun wants to win that title at some point. So Dolph beating Roman in this psychology would actually be a problem for Braun because now Dolph would have a credible claim to go for the title. But, so Braun should be sort of neutral about this match and want Dolph to win, but not too hard and not really care when Dolph loses either. But he's not. But my whole point is he's not a weak link. He's not... He's not I'm also aware of that too. He's not bumbling and incompetent, which was on 205 Live. It's like it, it, it's like Gulak decides after Jack Gallagher loses pretty bad to uh, to Zawa. It's like okay, I got to beat up Brian Gallagher or not Brian Gallagher, Brian Kendrick, because he showed too much mercy on a guy he beat in three seconds. And I'm just like, and then all of a sudden Gallagher gets in on the action of turning on him too, and it's just like none of that makes sense and none of that was earned and i know they're trying to do the side eye thing i think between drew and braun which i'll tell you that would be interesting if someone on the heel team actually follows through on a turn next week before they get to the shield turn but i think they're just doing it to juxtapose the two teams because i'm not sure if drew's ready for that face push just yet but but it was just like that's not earned I, you need to earn that kind of statement to a guy that you're counting on for a big show on Sunday. You know, oh, you're a weak link. Well, gosh, that's going to really motivate me to come out there and help you when I'm there. You know, I, I, it's the logical inconsistency of it all that's kind of driving me nuts. And, and There's this broader running theme that's been going on this whole year where big things come back to WWE and then start to feel inconsequential relatively quickly. Daniel Bryan returns. We were all so excited about Daniel Bryan returning. He was going to face off with The Miz. They had those great promos. This was going to be totally awesome. And then as we get closer to the destination, Wally World is less impressive than we thought it was going to be in our minds. And somehow that's managed to happen with The Shield. And that is just nuts to me. Yeah. I mean, they'll, they'll, they'll build things up and then they'll just forget them for a while too. And that's that is the other thing. I'm just like... Th- th- Oh, look, everybody here who listens knows I'm a revival mark. I'm a huge revival mark. To beat them to the B team, to just have the B team lose probably for a few weeks, maybe they'll get a banana peel win against the AOP. 
you diminish the revival. Which is even worse, in a way. If they get a banana peel win on the AOP, that's horrible for the AOP. Well, you diminish, in one fell swoop, you've diminished the B team, you've diminished all the work you put into the revival in that match, and you've kind of diminished Dolph and Drew as a tag team for, for that great match last week. It's like everybody's a geek again, and you did it all in one week. Are you kidding me? So I think where this might be going long-term is Braun's going to get aligned with the Authors of Pain, and that's how you're going to set the table for your Drew McIntyre babyface push. Okay. And maybe Ziggler ends up being the weak link, and that is where we are going ultimately. And the Authors of Pain come in and beat the shit out of McIntyre and Ziggler in a match, maybe. And they expect Braun to have their back, and Braun's like, those guys are winners. Something <laughs> like that. Yeah, that could be it. And then you juxtapose Braun with... Uh with Blake or Drake Maverick and then uh <laughs> you know You're for, small. You shouldn't be here. I'm going to carry you on my shoulder. <laughs> so <laughs> uh the rest of the points I think we can make in our in our preview. Um oh, actually there's one more on on SmackDown I wanted to make cuz she's not going to be on the show. Uh we need to stop getting on Carmella's case. That transition into the code of silence was fantastic. I really enjoyed uh, Carmella this week working in that match with R Truth. I don't think you need to have mixed match challenges on SmackDown because you're doing a whole show about mixed match challenges. And I get that there's the crossover appeal, but I think it's more than that. I think it's that R Truth and Carmella are a pretty successful and entertaining warm-up act for the early part of this show well, there's a good point. it's safe you know what you're getting out of these two and Carmella is popular and well-liked and you know her initial babyface runs were not so strong she's now got something going on here and our truth looks good and is connecting on the mic and his character is connecting with the audience again as he usually does when he's given a chance to do it yeah no that's a that's a very very good point oh the one other thing that's not on on the Australian show uh, the follow-up to the uh, Aiden English turn. What did you think of One Night in Milwaukee? It was one of the greatest pieces of theater <laughs> I have ever seen in my life, Jeff Hawkins. <laughs> Powerful cinema. I think Aiden's pretty good at delivering these lines. I mean, look, we know it's probably No, I actually really like him. I just think that this angle is silly. I think that Aiden is a lot more talented than he's being utilized, but you could say that about a lot of people on here. But he's a very gifted talker. He's entertaining. Very, no, I, I, I enjoy it too. I, I think it's probably a red herring. Like, I want you... You know, to sing the theme for Rusev Day or whatever. Wait, wait. Are you telling me, Jeff, that this doesn't end with them hooking up? That would make it more interesting. No, I don't think that's where it's going, <laughs> but I think ultimately Lana is doing something shady. Yeah. That this is going to be another headache for us to discuss weeks from now that doesn't quite make sense. But I think they're going to try to get really clever here. And you think it's Aiden who's screwing over Rusev. And it kind of looks like that. But then ultimately it's Lana. And oh, the betrayal. Everyone betray me. I, I howled, though, at, at Rusev's reaction shot when uh, 
<laughs> when Lana comes in and says, I want you, and he just looks at her with these... This is why there eyes. is going to be more Everybody Betray Me. Oh, God, he's so good. I, I love Rusev doing comedy. There, there. Oh, no, he's very funny. It's just a shame that this guy, who is actually a great wrestler and was a, a high-level heel in any serious promotion, has been kind of reduced down to doing the comedy stuff. He is. Uh, he was the one redeeming thing about Mixed Match Challenge. I was. Uh, I was told to to watch. Um, watch it for Rusev, and he he almost did the. He, they tried to get him to do the Rikishi dancing thing, and he, just his reaction was like, "Nope, not doing it." Just hilarious stuff. So we have this card early Saturday morning, two two a.m. Pacific time, five a.m. Eastern. For those of you here, Super in the Show States. Dash Down, Super Show. Dash down. So I will go from 10 to 1 here because I'm using the wiki for the thing because there's no real card order. Becky Lynch versus Charlotte Flair. Uh, This week, I am now thoroughly, thoroughly convinced with the reaction that Becky got. Number one, these crowds are all in on turning her face. Everybody's in on the joke. Number two. Everyone's in on the joke. Becky's promos. This is Pipe Bomb era CM Punk in terms of I should be on merchandise, I should be on show posters, I should be the face of the company. It's what they think a heel promo is, but it's actually turning her even more babyface because people agree with her. It rings true. Yes. It's such a miscalculation on everybody's part. Singles match for the... Oh, so you don't think we're going to go to a double turn here? Um... Because I think that there are some signals of it because Charlotte, not talking still, they didn't give her a chance to get booed. They know she's going to get booed. They know it's going to happen. So the question is, they know she's going to get booed and they're writing around it. How much longer are they going to keep writing around it? Well, that's, Are they well, going that's just, to keep sailing into the wind? Well, that's just it. They're writing around it so she doesn't get booed. I'm thinking they haven't changed. That doesn't work once they get in the ring. I know that, and you know that. We both know that. Yes, but you know they 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 scripted her to just come down and kick ass this week, hoping it would get a pop, and it didn't. No, because people wanted Becky to get hers, and also this was supposed to be her moment. It was the end of the show. Charlotte wasn't invited to it, so let's go to the writing. Why is Charlotte showing up? Because Becky's been a jerk. Okay, and I guess you could maybe make the grander argument of, well, Becky interrupted the photo shoot. Well, two wrongs don't make a right, so at at most now Charlotte has lowered herself to Becky's level, and people are already on Becky's side. So all of the formula here is just off. Yeah. Okay, so we have Becky Lynch versus Charlotte Flair. Who's your pick to win this one? I'm thinking Becky goes over. Do you think that there's any chance that they hot potato the belt back to Charlotte and then maybe back to Becky on the next pay-per-view? I think that happens only if they want to turn Charlotte heel. So, yes, there is a percentage of it, and I guess I would say it correlates to whatever the percentage is you think there's going to be a double turn. I am going against the double turn talk. I am going to say Becky Lynch wins by cheating. And then they try and they're going to gonna keep trying to fight this. Yes, I think they're going to be stubborn, and I think they're going to keep trying to fight this. I like the idea of the double turn. I do. I am going to say that there's been probably talks about the double turn, 
but I think eventually they're gonna get stubborn about it, and he's gonna and he's gonna he's just gonna go with the heel face dynamic. Yeah, I can see them retrenching. Absolutely. That, that's why I said it's whatever the percentage is, and I'm not sure where I put the double turn. I would put it at less than half. Asuka and Naomi, they call themselves the Empress and the Glow, the most unoriginal. <laughs> So let me tell you, the the fact that they don't have a name tells you how this match is going to go. The Iconics are going to win this match. Yeah, I am. It's so weird because going in and seeing this, I thought for sure. And they're going to gloat about it. And it's two single stars who are friends, but them losing as a tag team means nothing. And the Empress and the Glow is a team that you will forget ever happened. Whereas the Iconics need to have a reason to exist and there are no tag team belts and the Iconics need this win and they're going to be in Australia. So the Iconics are going to win this Yes, but WWE logic is you always lose in your hometown. Yeah, maybe. But I was was thinking one of the Australian acts would win. And and I don't think they're going to put the belt on Buddy Murphy. So I'm thinking, and also because Naomi won on... Tuesday, I think the Iconics do win this match, and they get a nice hometown reaction. It was Oscar who won on Tuesday, right? Or Oscar? Yeah, the right. Oscar lock on Peyton. That you're you're like correct. I was I was mixing up the two matches. No, yeah, you're right. Yeah, no, I, I mean you are forgiven for getting these matches confused, but yeah, I think all the signals are there that the Iconics are going to win. this Yes, match. it's 50-50. Faces won on the go home. Heels win on the actual match. The New Day defend their SmackDown Tag Team Championships versus The Bar. Tuesday's go-home ang- angle involved Mr. Bootiesworth getting pancake batter dumped in his hat. I, <laughs> I'm i going to give a bit of an acting note here. I understood what they were trying to accomplish with this Mr. Bootiesworth character. He's supposed to be... Yeah, but he corpsed like hell. He corpsed like hell. He's supposed to have the stiff upper lip. British upper no, crust, no, or even be a little bit broken. Like yeah. there should be like a like a near, not quite tears, but like quibbling lip. And instead, he was amused that he got pied, like yeah. he was on Nickelodeon was, in the nineties. He, he was never upset by it all, and that drove me no. nuts. It's like that he had to, yeah. He oh, good lord, <laughs> this kid. I felt bad for him because it's like. He's going to get yelled at in the back because he's corpsing while he's getting this pancake batter poured on him. Uh, And it's supposed to be getting sympathy. And it wasn't getting sympathy. I was actually like, look, he's laughing during this segment. Pour more on him. And And it was also kind of silly, and he was a goofy character anyways. How were we supposed to feel sympathetic for this guy to begin with? I I think he was sort of tasked with the Kobayashi Maru scenario here (laughs) going into this. And yes, he failed, but I don't know how one succeeds because how do you get over Mr. Bootiesworth as a sympathetic character who we want to have good things happen to? As opposed to the Wayland yutani problem where you continually go into places and try and capture uh, humanity-destroying aliens. Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't think the bar wins the titles here. I think, you know, nope. because... They got the heat on the go-home show. I think the New Day wins this one. What I think is going to be the match of the show, probably going to open up. Cedric Alexander defends the 205 Live Championship versus Buddy Murphy. I am absolutely stoked for this match. 
I am. Yeah, it's gonna be really good. I am. I think they're gonna work this, their asses this, off. This crowd, they're gonna have a full house. I hope. I hope this isn't on some sort of pre-show. I, I'm, I, you know, if they if they put this match on right when they open the doors, I, I and I'm those two. I'm furious because with a full crowd, this thing could. I'm not gonna say it's gonna draw business to the 205 Live brand. But it would be a real shot it in the arm. It will open some eyes. It would for sure. It would be a shot in the arm to the division to be able to work in front of a full house for once. And I would I mean I'm And to have a match that actually got over in front of tens of thousands. Yes. Yeah, I, I see where you're going with this. And I think it's gonna be a really, really nice showcase for Buddy Murphy. And man, what a difference between Wesley Blake and Buddy Murphy in terms of career arcs. Buddy Murphy has just really taken his in ring talents to another level. Are you are you crapping on the Forgotten Sons? No, <laughs> no way, no, no. I, I, how could I forget about those sons? Where we get we get a promo video telling us who they are, but we don't know why they're the Forgotten Sons. Nobody Face mask, that. No gunner, guy who's not in Blake and Murphy anymore. Jackson, the Forgotten yes. Sons. Are they a motorcycle gang? Are they bitter because other wrestling companies screwed them up? What 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 what's their what's their gimmick? What's their gimmick, guys? Tell me. They're broken and they're taking out their brokenness on everyone because things weren't fair. <laughs> We're here to cause chaos. We're here to cause chaos. <laughs> what about me? What about Raven? Uh, I think Cedric Alexander re- retains because I think the story yep. is still the money the money match, which should be in front of a full house too, is Cedric versus Ali. I think that one, I think that's the lead up. I think we get past this even though, God, I'm tempted to put the belt on Buddy Murphy just to change it up a bit. I really am, but Cedric is a stale character because he's not very interesting. He's a great in-ring worker. There's just nothing to him. There's n- nothing really to describe his personality. And and I thought going into WrestleMania, we were going to start building a heel Cedric Alexander, which I thought was necessary because I thought back then, having watched so much 205 Live, that this character just wasn't very interesting. And Drew Gulak was reinventing himself and getting this fresh coat of paint that was finding a much more multidimensional type of character to play around with. And Cedric was sort of getting left in the dust. Yeah, and just heel champions are a bit more interesting in these types of uh, divisions, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, and if you're going to have a babyface as the champion, they have to just have a very strong personality. Yeah. Like Nakamura as a babyface champion. Yeah, I I would think so as well. Um, Who's your pick? My pick is Cedric Alexander Retains. Okay. AJ Styles defends the WWE Championship versus Samoa Joe. Samoa Joe committing the worst heinous crime ever seen on WWE television. Ringing and running, which I did when I was 12 uh, once or twice because I was always slow. Uh, so everybody else did it uh, much better than I did. It's uh, Ding Dong Dash. <laughs> Ding is Dong what Dash it's is that Not what you to call be it? confused with Super Show Dash Down. Oh. That's different from Ding Dong Dash. Uh, AJ Styles was so moved that he could not be on SmackDown on Tuesday except by video. Man, this angle's really stupid, Jeff. I think that's where you're going, and I agree. I, 
didn't say it was stupid. I kind of liked parts of it. I liked the parts of it were good along the way here, but this little endpoint that we've arrived at has been silly because Joe moved into a weird territory and they had to retroactively create a continuity for it this week or sort of retcon it with Paige's promo in the ring. We had to get around home invasion and child endangerment. (laughs) <laughs> right, because this angle crossed obvious lines. You don't end up doing that sort of promo if you thought everything went really well and the story we told was 100% on the mark. Nailed it. That said, it's time. Samoa Joe is winning this title. I hope so. I'm ready for AJ to not be champion at this point. I think AJ, and AJ Samoa needs, Joe should be champion. AJ needs a little bit of uh, a little bit of time. A little breaky. Little break yeah, a little break from being the ch- championship. A little refreshment of his character. We get. I, I'm thinking it's time for a little Samoa Joe Daniel Bryan action, which we'll get into a little bit later. But uh, yeah, but I'm. I'm this. This match also possibly match of the night. I'm. I'm thinking, although. Look, I've been hurt before. When we had AJ Styles and Nakamura, I we we kept going. When are we getting this knockdown, drag out, five star classic? It's gonna be 2013 all over again, baby. Back to the glory days, Wrestle Kingdom. Here we come in a WWE ring, and we got real close to that. And Wally World wasn't quite like we imagined in our heads. Yeah, this could be Samoa Joe pulling out a picture of AJ's kid to distract him and punching him in the nuts. So. Yeah, yeah. So when I said things have gotten kind of stupid, that that that's kind of what I'm getting at there. I, I I just the kid stuff. I Jeff, I'm uncomfortable with the idea that AJ Styles' wife has been reduced down to an object, a prop in the storyline. It just it makes me feel icky. I did like the line though that the kid was scared of Uncle Joe being in the closet. I I thought that was a nice touch because look, if that happened to a child, if this kind of angle actually happened. There would be repercussions. There would be some PTSD going on. So, I mean, but yeah. So then how do AJ Styles and Samoa Joe get past this after you've traumatized my child and my child still has nightmares about Uncle Joe hiding in the closet? I, I just I, I think we have This to- didn't need to go there. WWE plots are not that deep for a reason. And, and I like I wish that they sometimes had more depth. But sometimes it's okay. These two could just really be angry at each other at this point. And Samoa Joe could have said something about AJ Styles' wife in a promo, and that could have been fuel to get this feud to where it's going. He didn't need to go to his house. Do they go all the way and make Samoa Joe the new daddy? I think they're going to drop it if they put the belt on Samoa Joe. They have to have a rematch. They will have a rematch, but I think it will be... AJ Styles brooding, thinking like he'll disappear for a couple of weeks, and and maybe you get the character refresh that you're talking about. Then, the Bella Twins, Brie Bella, Nikki Bella, Zeppo Bella, I don't know, <laughs> and Ronda Rousey. Yeah, I I like Chico Bella. Harpo uh, Bella is my favorite. You know, Harpo's uh, the whimsy of Harpo Bella. <laughs> But the Bella Twins and Ronda Rousey take on the Riot Squad, all three, since Liv Morgan has been cleared to travel. Liv Morgan, Ruby Riot, and Sarah Logan. This past week, uh, I believe, I can't even remember the finish of that match. That's how bad I am right now. It was Ronda beating 
Ruby a member Ray. of the Riot Squad. Ru- yeah. It was Ruby, though. So I think it was Ruby again. Because Ronda's beaten Ruby a few times now at this point. How do you see this one going down? I think that Ronda and the Bellas win. I think they win, but I think Ronda gets too much of the offense for the Bellas' liking, and you start to see the seeds of turning. Yes, you see her start to hot dog a little bit or starts to show out a little bit. Maybe the Bellas have struggles earlier in the match, and they need to tag to Ronda, who then takes over the match, and they resent that Ronda was picking up their weight. If you do that, then you actually kind of justify perceiving the Bellas as heels and viewing Ronda as a face. How about this? The Bell, like Brie Bella gets hurt in the match and Nikki goes to take care of her and wants to stop the match. But Ronda is so much of a competitor that she wants to go on with it. And so she just goes in there and kills the riot squad without checking on Brie, something like that. Yeah, you could do something like that, too. But I think variations of those themes are what we're going to be getting out of this match or maybe a lazier version of what we just described. Agreed. I, I, I think, you know, Ronda's going to be huge in Australia, even though that was the... I believe that was the site of her first loss in MMA. Um, but uh, she's going to be a rock star in that full stadium. The Shield, Dean Ambrose, Roman Reigns, and Seth Rollins take on the Dogs of War, name they've dropped. Braun Strowman, Dolph Ziggler, and Drew McIntyre. So, the fact that they dropped the name is what makes me think that this heel faction isn't built to last, and that they've had a change of direction narratively. That initially, they were going to get over the Dogs of War branding, and they started to kind of refer to it a little bit on commentary. Braun Strowman was referring to the Dogs of War, the Dogs of War, And then the last few weeks, I'm like, wait, they don't have a name? And they're just kind of three individuals united together. So I do have my doubts. I think the artists formerly known as the Dogs of War lose this match, and that sets off the catalyst for them breaking apart. And what is happening here is an elaborate plan by Seth Rollins to win this match by playing a complex psychology game over the last few weeks. And you may say to me, but Chris, that makes no sense. And by all means, do so. But, like, I could see WWE writing their way out of this angle by doing that. Yeah, I see something similar. I think the Shield win this. I think somewhere along the lines, Braun just gets fed up with it all. Maybe he and Drew have some sort of argument, but Braun walks out. Drew gets knocked out, like gets speared through a barricade on the outside, and Dolph eventually... And has a very strong showing along the way once he gets isolated. We we start establishing Drew as the babyface, and then he wants comeuppance against Braun. Because the authors of pain have just been hanging around, and they have to become tag champions. I sort of, like, they have one purpose in life as a narrative function to be massive heel monster champions. And right now you have Drew McIntyre and Dolph Ziggler, and they're almost more like a babyface team in a way, where you have Drew carrying Dolph out of the ring after a hard-fought match, and they've been winning all of their matches clean. Well, well, you have no babyface team to take it off of Dolph and, and Drew anyways. That's strong enough also to be true. worthy it. 
I mean, <laughs> rude and no cable. clear line of transition is the other part. Well, of hold this. on, the ascension. The ascension's gotten two wins in a row. Maybe they're going to call out. I the know. Chance. I'm feeling pretty bullish about this ascension face <laughs> push, Jeff. And I'm glad that you brought it up because I, I have about ten minutes here if you wanted to get into it. On uh, well, push. hold on. Let me pick my winner. I think I think Dolph takes the three man power bomb, and uh, the Shield do the fist, and the crowd goes home happy on that front. Now, please, with a ten minute interlude about the ascension. And Chad Gable and Bobby Roode. Here's Absolutely. Chris Novembrino. So I think we can get back to that after we get through the rest of the card. What's next, Jeff? Uh, Daniel Bryan versus The Miz. I haven't really thought this one out fully. Well, let me give you some stalling time. I really dug the Shelton Benjamin versus Daniel Bryan match. I dug it yeah, a lot. That was good. I they, liked that match. I mean, but they've been starting and stopping with Shelton. For a while now, and it drives yeah, me but we're nuts. going somewhere with Shelton this time after we get through all of these shows. He's going to be in the title hunt at some point. Well, here's you know, I thought he was going to be like the cranky old man with that in that team with uh, Randy Orton when they were doing that for a very short time. I think this becomes, I think this eventually might become a Shelton face turn. So yeah, I think so, face, too. So that he can face a Joe. I think it becomes one of right. those things where Shelton ends up respecting Br- Daniel Bryan. They have several competitive matches, and Daniel wins one, but Shelton Benjamin ends up winning the series and gets Daniel's respect. And he, and here's this jackass Miz trying to tell him to beat him up a lot more, and, and, and then eventually Shelton Benjamin just clocks the Miz. Or something like that. I think that's how they get out of it. This match, it's for the number one contender. I think the Daniel Bryan Samoa Joe is the way to go. I would not be shocked at all if they did the Miz in a screwy finish just to piss people off. But I think the way to go is Daniel Bryan here. So if you do the Miz here, then that means AJ retains. Uh, I guess so. So, I mean... Yeah, I'm with you, but like I think that maybe answers the question from earlier in the show. Yeah, I'm guessing as so. And you know what? The Miz has won a lot in this feud. It's time for Daniel Bryan to get a clean win. No, and Daniel Bryan and Samoa Joe is the stronger of the two option trees here. But those two matches, those outcomes are clearly linked. Hold on, it's the stronger of the wrestling matches. But it's not the stronger of the personality type things because the Miz to them is a marketable brand with the reality show. So, I, you know, I, you can't look at it as it's the stronger program because that's not how they think. They think of Q ratings and and crossover appeal. So there is a chance here the Miz wins this match. I don't think they will. I don't think they're going to have him win three in a row, I think, which is what it would be. I think Daniel Bryan wins this one. but I'm going Miz. You're going with the Miz to win this? Yep, I'm going with the Miz to win this. Holy crap, really? Hear me now, hate me later. What's your logic there? Just because AJ retains, in your opinion? Yeah, I think AJ retains, and the Miz wins, and that's what sets up this feud. And he doesn't have to win clean, by the way. He's the Miz. He cheats all the time, and in the big shows, they come up with ridiculous ways to get him wins. All right, then let me follow this path for you, then. So maybe AJ gets beat up by Samoa Joe to the point where he's weak. Miz wins the number one contender here, challenges a weakened AJ and wins the title. Mm-hmm. Maybe is that, uh, that what you're that, looking at? 
not a weakened AJ that we get him next month and, and then you can come back around to Shelton Benjamin. I wouldn't be terribly surprised. They're not putting the belt on him. No, they're not going to put... No, I'm not saying you're putting the belt on him, but then this gives you this narrative through line of it was the Miz himself who started Shelton on this path that got Shelton to a point where he was in a title match against the Miz, and that's the angle for the feud between the Miz and Shelton Benjamin. And so I'm with you on the Shelton face turn. I think that it is happening. Um, I'm kind of like playing this out now. Yeah, I think The Miz wins. That's what my gut tells me. Up next, Elias and Kevin Owens. Oh, you hate that. I can hear it in your voice as you're giving the description. You hate that. <laughs> not, I don't hate it. I'm just... You hate it. No, it's it's fine. I just don't see them putting Shelton in that high of a profile thing. No, I'm, I, he for one intermittent pay-per-view... Yeah, he's a guy of the month. No, I think I think I just think they turned Shelton so that Randy Orton can kill him. <laughs> but that because because Randy's going to need another victim very soon after just. You know, but the after... Dillinger thing, I think, is going to continue. I don't think it's over. Okay, well, I, I think it's like two more weeks, and 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 then he just finds another victim to, to go on to. I don't think this turns into a long exaggerated story but you might be right on that i i i i i'll i'll leave it i'll i'll see where it goes how about that see where it goes keep an open mind to these things hawkins elias i'm not good at keeping open mind on most of anything uh elias and kevin owens (laughs) you don't say yeah elias and kevin owens versus the defenders of the legacy of death left shrimp Xavier McDaniel, Michael Cage, Dale Ellis, Tom Chambers, Dennis Johnson, Jack Sigma, the Seattle Supersonics, Bobby Lashley, and a very under-pushed or under-marketed return of John Cena, which is very weird to me. He is now a outside-of-the-country's big show attraction, and they're going to use him for WrestleMania, but he is moving into the Undertaker, Shawn Michaels, Triple H. We come out for the big international shows that draw massive houses and need to have legacy stars doing more gimmicky type matches. And that's the vehicle for this match. It's to get John there. But yeah, the story really hasn't been much of anything. I will say that I have not seen cheap sports heat get that nuclear in a very very long time oh i i love look there's corpsing and then there's what elias does what but because elias gets it back real quick but elias is like the guy who threw a stink bomb in a toilet and is in the classroom laughing when people are are angry about the flooding that that's what he did, or a, a, a cherry bomb in a toilet, and he's like laughing. He has that kind of snowing smirk. I absolutely love watching Elias when he hits a line and gets a reaction, and he's just kind of like, "Well, that's impressive. I didn't think of that." Uh, but my point on Cena is more. It feels like, look, John Cena has a major motion picture coming out. Very, very soon. and it So that feels... means he will be mishandled. We know how this goes. Well, it almost feels like he's being punished for such a thing. You know? Right, because... right. It's called the Batista model. Yeah, I guess. I, it, it just seems so odd that he didn't even make an appearance on the go-home show. But 
Lashley and Cena. Lashley, a victim of stupid babyface syndrome, distraction, schoolboy roll-up versus Elias and And then we give away the big Leo Rush bump. Yeah. That just happened out of nowhere very quickly, and it meant nothing when it finally happened. It should have been something that... We know that Leo can't actually fight either one of these guys. What should have been established is that he is unbelievably quick and has moves for days, and you can't catch Leo. That's the art of Leo Rush. Um, I think Lashley and Cena win this one. Yep. Uh, I think John Cena gets to play the hits. I don't. Elias think they... can absorb like eight million losses. It doesn't yes. matter. So can Kevin Owens at this point, to be honest with you. Unfortunately. But, uh, and I, I don't think, I mean, people have been hinting, well, maybe maybe Leo Rush ends up turning Bobby Lashley heel. I think we're having enough problems with heel turns on this show. I think they play this one straight. I think Lashley and Cena get the win here. And then finally, the real main event, Triple H with Shawn Michaels versus The Undertaker with Kane for the last time ever until the next last time ever how do you see this going i think hunter gets the win you were calling shenanigans i feel like we're gonna have shenanigans because we're setting up the tag match so that obviously means that the seconds are going to be involved kane's going to be out there michaels is going to be out there and we're just making sure that kane and michaels are involved enough in this match to justify a tag match down the road here at wrestlemania probably I think this match is going to be plotting, but I think the uh, I think the crowd's going to eat it up because of the characters. No way! You, wait, 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 hold on. You think this match is going to be plotting? You you don't think this is going to be a work rate classic or anything? I don't. Not even work rate classic, but just slower than usual. Let's put it that way. It's going to be a lot of smoke and mirrors. That's why you have Michaels yes. and Kane out there. Like they are there because none of these guys can work all that fast. Other than like Hunter. At this point, Kane's a mayor now. But so again, oh, go ahead. Sorry. They're all part timers, and it's up to Hunter to make all of this work. So he will be moving around. Taker will be very plotting because uh, he, I don't know, he, I didn't think he looked like he was in his best ring shape ever on Monday. And it will be entertaining for that crowd who has never seen any of those guys work but for those of us who have been watching these guys for years this will not be anything you will remember intimately i will uh i will call my shot even further i think somehow sean michaels pins undertaker and they think it's triple h and that's how they get to the tag match yeah i think it's a little less complicated than that sean michaels gives hunter brass knuckles or something like that no, that that's cool too. I, but but yes, this is going to end up being a tag match in Saudi Arabia. Yeah, that's where we're going. It's a tag match. It's where we're going, we all know where it's going. It's just invo- uh, uh, you know, let's just enjoy the match for what it is. Uh, so that ends our preview of. <laughs> let me get this right. Super Show Dash Down. Nicely uh, done. Gonna go around a bit. Uh, NXT. Uh, look, I like Lacey Evans. There are people who, who who filled my Twitter feed hating her. I I will continue to defend her. I think she's making steady improvements. I don't think she's quite ready to be the champion yet, but given time, I think she can get there, and she's got a distinct look and a unique character. Give her a chance, people. In the corrections and retractions department, I, I had said she was a single mom. That was incorrect. 
I have been thoroughly sussed, and the sussing will continue if I get other things wrong. So my apologies. <laughs> um, and uh, and then the, the other thing I like, I really liked, it's like we were in Evolve 2015 again, Johnny Gargano versus Tony Nese. Nice for Tony Nese to get a match like that in front of a hot crowd. Yes, I, absolutely. I, I thought when I first saw Tony Nese, I go, man, if only he were were a foot taller, Vince would be all over this guy. He might still be all over this guy because, look, I'm I'm jealous of the eight-pack Tony Nese has. I could never get that kind of body if I worked a million years for it. But I think he brings both strength and uh, aerial maneuvers, and I just thought he was kind of one of the perfect packages for a WWE-style run. I was happy he got this match in front of a full full sale audience. Uh, I thought Gargano looked good. Um, my only concern is if Gargano's the guy who beat Black, is this just kind of Red Herringville, that they're going to rebuild his character piece by piece until they do the reveal, and then they're going to have to turn him heel again? Yeah, I guess you would then have to make him particularly demented or particularly twisted. I'm still kind of with you that it might very well be Cassius Ono. I'm very much leaning towards that. Yeah, I, I think so. And if not him, I will once again, Kathy Kelly, the mastermind of all this. It sounds out, but it also sounds right and... There wasn't a good reason to involve him, of all people, on the NXT roster right now in this backstage storyline unless you're going to do something with him. The Ono dangle is interesting to me because I don't think it's Kyrie Sane. I mean, that would be the real fun twist here is it's actually Kyrie Sane. She's like, I'm a fucking pirate. What did you guys expect? But let me throw this out at you because again, it it it's a story that drives me crazy. But it but it also worked for this match. Candice LeRae losing it when Lacey Evans got into her head. Now look, overall, I don't like I don't like the the the, the story that in the WWE universe, all baby faces are mentally weak in some way. Your marriage isn't going very well. Like, that shouldn't get into your head during a match. What If you're not married to a failure or whatnot. But I liked Candice. I liked Candice getting so angry at that that she lost focus and got punched as opposed to got rolled up or distracted or something like that. I liked that in her getting wound up in the match and trying to hurt Lacey, that Lacey just hit her finisher out of nowhere and pinned her clean. I liked that aspect of it because, again, I think Lacey's really good, and I love Candice LeRae, but I, I thought I thought that was a nice, smart touch because Lacey has a finisher you can hit out of anywhere. Just that It's right a real hook. fun finisher to write around yeah. because you can do a lot of things. It is sort of overpowered. But you kind of just have to go with it. She's bigger. She has a size differential on most of her opponents. So when she's punching down and hits you with the right hook, it's lights out. I mean, that's you're giving up several inches, and she's got some force behind her punch. I think they've done a nice job getting that over, and I think it's a very powerful narrative tool. I like I, that a lot about her character. I personally had no real opinion one way or another about EC3 and... uh Lars Sullivan. Um, 
it know. was something that I think worked for Lars because he needed a little bit stiffer competition after beating up the Goon Squad the last several weeks here. So I think my opinion of the Lars Sullivan match is that they have nicely rebuilt Lars since the Aleister Black match and gotten our minds away from that and reestablished that this guy is a freaking monster and EC3 as a prop to establish, no, this guy's still an elite-level monster. It's just Aleister Black. Aleister Black's that good. He And his kick is that strong. There's another guy who has a similar type of finish to Lacey Evans. And, yeah, I think they've done a nice job rebuilding him. EC3 is a guy who I feel is just kind of lost in the shuffle, and I don't really know what he's doing. I, I think in a quote-unquote work-rate super indie federation, I don't see think he belongs i didn't think he belonged no. when he did evolve shows i don't think he belongs here i think he's a main roster big muscle guy who has a great personality i think he belongs up there i and i think i don't know why they don't use him talking more that was the whole draw for him when he was in, in tna, TNA. Yeah. and they first rolled him out as ec3 he had those awesome matches against dewey barnes and norv Furnham that were all very entertaining, <laughs> and he would cut all of these promos, and later on, Dewey and Norv showed up later. But but that is, to me, the right usage of EC3's skill sets. A lot of talking, less wrestling, because the wrestling is fine and passable, but it's main roster passable. I'm with you. It's not indie show passable. And for me, the best show of the week, round two, episode one, of the May Young Classic. I think out of the four matches, there were three pretty good ones here. Um, did you get a chance to watch this? I did not, no. Okay. Uh, few just general notes. Tony Storm, rock star. She's going to be huge for that uh, UK brand in NXT. She beat Hiroyo Matsumoto in a really good match. Um, it's a shame because they let Tony cut a different a sec- a second promo to kind of further her character, and they just basically spliced in Hiroyo's first promo just to kind of reintroduce her. I liked this match. I think it was a nice, tough go-between for the two of them. They're really doing well with the Tony Storm coming back to win the tournament type of story, juxtaposed with the other women in this tournament who are also coming back and losing, which was the story of the Mercedes Martinez-Mako Satomura match, which was spectacular, I thought. I mean, this, this, this is the match of the week, in my opinion. Uh, I love Mercedes Martinez. Uh, she's been possibly one of my favorite performers over the past three years. If you've never seen the Rise 8 match between her and Tony Storm, which I've raved about live a couple of times, go watch it. But her and Mako Satamora just beat the crap out of each other. And look, it got Michael Cole excited because Michael Cole's letting out a hell yeah after the match. And... Getting Michael Cole, who is a, seems very jaded in his job, to be very excitable. I was having a discussion today as to whether or not Cole was a good announcer on this show. I think he's perfectly fine. I think he still has his crib notes that he relies on too much. But I like shows of real emotion when these when it shows that these when these announcers and these basically corporate automatons are really wrestling fans. And I popped for Michael Cole popping at a match. And I thought that was a really cool moment. 
Uh, Tainara Conti and Lacey Lane, not much of a match. I still see a lot in Tainara Conti as a personality. Um, I think she she gets a bit too histrionic at times in the acting. Lacey Lane, perfectly fine, perfectly good. They're telling a nice underdog story with her. You know, the match was short, and it basically got Tainara out of the tournament as yet another person who was returning to the tournament and failed, and you juxtapose it with Tony Storm being successful. I really like that. And then Casey Catanzaro and Rhea Ripley. Casey Catanzaro is fantastic. She is such a fantastic athlete. She's not a fantastic wrestler yet, but as a gymnast, she's crisp. She's getting a lot of things out. And Rhea Ripley in this in this incarnation of her, where she's she got injured. I believe it was a knee injury. Don't quote me on that one, though, guys. Don't get into my twitters and yell at me. But she bulked up during that time and really got into powerlifting. And now she's more she's less fitness model. If you take a look at the pictures of her from last year and this year, she's really kind of gotten a lot of strength. But they played the David Goliath thing perfectly, I think. Uh, Rhea Ripley, also strong part of that NXT UK brand now with that women's division. But they really, they need to put the put the lightning bolt on Casey and get her to somewhere where they can use her marketability while this American Ninja Warrior show is still on the air and really get her into a place of prime position on the main roster, I think even if it's in limited use. I know she's not ready. I know she's not the best wrestler in the world. I know that there are more deserving people. But there's a thing about marketing where you strike where the iron's hot. And American Ninja Warrior, look, it's... it's <laughs> Again, it's obstacle course the TV show. How long... I mean, it's a hit now, but, you know, unless you change up that show every year, it's it, it, has a, it has a half-life, although it's been on longer than I ever thought it would be. But uh, go out of your way and watch this Casey Catanzaro-Rhea Ripley match and get introduced to, really, the athleticism of, of Casey Catanzaro because it's, it's, it's Olympic-level gym, gymnast type of stuff, and, and, and she's really good. Rhea Ripley won this one. She should have won this one. They're telling a great story with her as well. So an enjoyable hour um, of TV, this May Young Classic this week, and I'm looking forward to the rest of the second round. Chris, where can they find you? I am all over your podcast feed these days, Jeff. You can find me on my home ship, which is at don'tworry.tv or patreon.com slash DWATG. That's Don't Worry About the Government. It's a news and politics show. I also host the All in the Family podcast, which you can find at allinthefamilypodcast.com. I'm on Twitter at C-H-R-I-S-N-O-V-E-M-B-R-I-N-O. And I did a guest spot on Matt Lewis and the News, which will be coming out here in the next few days. So look for that on iTunes and Stitcher. You can follow me at Crab Game 13 if you have the inkling and you really enjoyed Fighting Spirit Unleashed this past weekend. I did the post-show over at Fightful with our old friend Sean Ross Sapp. Appreciate a download and listen. Thank you. You know, let me know if you think I'm out of line with some of my points. But it was an enjoyable wrestling show, and I think Sean Ross Sapp and I had a very good chat. You were very out of line with some of your points. How do you know that? You didn't even listen to the show.
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.